This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Hi, and I am so excited to share this podcast episode with you this week. I'm chatting to a fabulous dog trainer called Aileen Stevenson, who runs the Perfect Puppy Company. And we're talking all about meaningful social media. So putting content out there on social media that has real meaning behind it, and that brings the right people who you want to work with to you. So Aileen, I will put all the links in the show notes, but do go and check her out because she's amazing at creating fantastic content on Facebook that is regularly shared by other pet professionals, lots of pet parents, and gets a lot of engagement and a lot of people picking up the phone and ringing Aileen and wanting to work with her. So we're talking all about how she goes about that and how she went from working as an accountant just five years ago to being where she is today, having a really successful dog training business over in Glasgow where she lives. We talk about how long she spends on social media working on her content and where she gets her post ideas from. And the good news is she doesn't spend loads and loads of time on social media. She doesn't have to, um, you know, create loads of outlandish videos or anything really complicated. She simply works on stories that come into her head with clients who she's been working with and puts out brilliant educational content which brings more lovely clients to her. We talk about why it's important for her to attract people who want to put in the effort, take the time and have the consistency with their training and how that impacts on her own marketing as well. You are going to learn so much from Aileen. I have honestly just loved recording this episode so much. So I'm going to hand over to her and to the main part of the show but do let me know what you think and do definitely go and say hi to Aileen if you don't know her already and check out her brilliant work that she does. Now on for the main part of the episode. So hi Aileen thank you so much for coming to talk to me on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh no it's really good to have you here. So first of all can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do in your business? Yeah, so um, I run the Perfect Puppy Company, which is a, a family dog training uh, and behaviour uh, business based in Glasgow. Um, and uh, I say just family dog training. Um, I don't have any specialities in things like agility or sports or anything like that. Um, I also have an interest in working with uh, families with uh, young children and expectant families uh, to help them create a uh, Good relationships between children and dogs. That's the kind of that's my little niche. Um, what I really like to do. Um, and uh, I'm a Karen Pryor uh, certified trainer partner, a member of the IMDT, and uh, a family dog mediator as well. So that's my kind of area of interest is is family dog training. Fab. Okay. And just before we're going to talk about lots of different things, but you also wrote a book. Over, you've written a book over the last few years as well, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I wrote a book called um, Dogs, Bumps and Babies, um, and it's a guide to preparing your dog for life with children and babies. Um, and I did that, uh, I think it was 2021, a little kind of lockdown project. Um, and yeah, it's it's going really well. It's, um, it's aimed at normal dog owners uh, to give them simple kind of practical advice uh, as to how to kind of make the change from being a family with a dog to a family with babies uh, as stress-free and simple as possible for everybody, human and canine. Love it. Okay. I remember ordering that when it came out and being very excited. Um, so yeah, love that. So tell us about like your day-to-day life. Are you Do you do online um, or is it all in-person training? Do you do classes? Like, What kind of things do you do? So I do, I only do one-to-one training. Mm-hmm. I, I used to run group classes. I don't do that any longer. Um, so I focus on one-to-one training. The bulk of it is uh, face-to-face in person, but um, I do also work um, particularly with the dogs and babies, dogs and kids stuff. Um, I do uh, some of that online um, and I have worked with clients um, all over the UK and some internationally on that as well, um, but mostly face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Fab. Okay. And then how long has your business been running as well? So I set up the business. Well, I left my previous career um, in 2017 Mm -hmm. um, and started the business on a really small scale 
um, that year. Um, and it's just kind of grown and snowballed ever since. And um, I, that's my full time job now. That's what I do. The only thing I do um, and I really enjoy it. I love it. But yeah, 2017 was when I kind of made the leap from corporate um, accountancy world into dogs. Love it. I was just going to say, I need to know, you know how nosy I am, like what you used to do before. So were you an accountant? I was an accountant before. Yeah, I was an accountant for blah, 25-ish <laughs> years. <laughs> um, didn't love it. Um, and then the opportunity arose. Then my employer at that time was going through a big restructuring exercise. And um, I had the option to either return to work full-time because I'd only worked part-time after I'd had my children. I had the option to return to work full time or leave. And I decided to leave because I didn't love it. I'd got really interested in training and behaviour. And I just thought, I'm not going to have this chance again to take a leap by myself sometime, uh, set up a business, see where it goes. I didn't really have any expectations then as to what would happen. I didn't know whether I would do it part time or full time or just spend, take a bit of time off and then go back to my old life. But um, yeah, but snowballed oh, and went well, and here I am. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, so tell us about what it was like going from one minute you're sitting in a. I'm just imagining you being all like you know business dress and all that kind of thing, and then the next minute you've learned about dog training. I know obviously you've got a dog of your own, and I'm sure that Charlie inspired you a lot as well. And then you're like, okay, I've got a business now. I need to get myself out there. Where do I even start? What was that like for you? Scary. Yeah, that was really well scary and exciting. Um, the whole different ball game. I mean, the, the places that I had worked as an accountant in my previous life, they were all large employers, um, big organizations. The last organization I worked for for 20 odd years was a university. So very large, complex organizations um, where you were one cog in a big machine. And going from that to being, you know, trainer, accountant, marketing, admin, um, salesperson, you know, you know what it's like when you run your own business, you do everything yeah. and nobody's doing it for you. You know, there is a luxury in working for a, having a salary job, especially in a large employer. There's a degree of safety there, I suppose. You know, you, if you turn up and if you do your job well, most of the time you get paid at the end of the month and it's, yeah, so it, it was a big change to be totally um, totally independent and being totally self-reliant and things only happened if I kind of made them happen. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a big change, which was exciting, but also a little bit scary. And there were a few, a few sleepless nights, oh, <laughs> wondering if I'd done the right thing. Oh, love it. Okay. So tell us about the kind of things that you did and what it was like putting yourself out there at the beginning. What kind of like marketing and promo activities did you do so people could find out about what you were doing? Um, so I think in the very early stages, um, I got myself a website. I did that right at the start. Yeah. Um, and I think the two things I did right at the start were um, I got myself a website and I set up a Facebook page. Um, they were the two two first things that I did. Um, didn't really have a clue what I was doing with either either of those things. Um, I mean, my website still is just a website that I've created and I've tinkered with it and tweaked it over the years and added things and changed the tone and changed the kind of message on that. Um, but it's still, you know, a homemade website, although, you know, it serves a purpose. And I think for a homemade one, it's I think it's okay. Um, and my Facebook page, again, you know, no experience of actually having a business page. I'd, I'd be on Facebook as a, you know, an individual um, with a personal profile for a while, but no idea really what I was doing was running a business page. So basically I set it up, um, did a couple of little introductory posts and asked all my friends to like it. <laughs> basically was what I did at the start. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously at the start it's tiny. There's... You know, and it's your and it's your friends and family that are liking it kindly, you know, because they want to support you. Um, but I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of what I was posting. I would do um very simple posts, 
I was using probably stock photographs and things more because I didn't have a bank of my own images at that stage in the game because I was just starting business. So I didn't have lots of images from clients to look back on. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was, I would probably, I haven't, I haven't ever done it. I'd probably cringe a wee bit if I went back and looked at some of the early posts, I think, (laughs) but I'm sure we all would do that. Oh gosh, definitely. Well, that's the thing. We're all learning, aren't we? We've all got to start somewhere. And it is like when you start on social media or doing anything, you've, we all start at zero, don't we? And um, and yeah. it's a bit of a it's good in the sense it's a level playing field. But then you you know you learn and you find your stride and you work, learn what works and what doesn't. So tell me about like we are here today because I um, without I don't want to embarrass you here, Aileen, because by fawning too much. But I've followed you for ages, and I've, I've got a little terrier like you have, Charlie, and I really love your posts. And I was thinking about I've been kind of engaging with you. You know, I, I respond quite a lot on your posts, don't I? And I was just thinking, what you create on social media is really it's 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 fantastic, and it's really it for me. I felt. I was like, it feels really meaningful. It's, you know, there's real meaning behind what you write and the images you use and how you come across. So can you talk me through a little bit about how you how you kind of went from thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really worried about posting and I hope, you know, my friends and family like it to being where you are now, where you've you've got a really lovely, I feel, way of expressing yourself and um and coming across. So how did that how did that develop? How did you do that? Well, that's very, very kind of you, first of all, to to say that. Um, I think, so I think there's a, a couple of things. Um, I was lucky that I, I, I had friends, a friend and mentor who, who's, who helped me a lot um, in the early stages of my business um, and um, who was very social media savvy um, or social media savvy, I should say. And there were some little nuggets of advice that I got from them that really helped. Um, so the first one was consistency, was just doing it, yeah. just do it. Um, and I think I was maybe a little bit patchy about that at the start, but I think very quickly I realised that, because um, I think it gets discouraging at the start when you're maybe posting and you're not getting an awful lot of feedback, you're maybe not getting an awful lot of engagement, but it takes time to to build that because of, and I don't pretend to really understand the Facebook algorithms, but what I think does make a difference is consistency. It's showing up, it's doing it. So I think um, forcing yourself to do it, you know, I try to post, I try to post every day if I can, but certainly about five days out of seven. Um, And I think at the beginning, if you're getting if you're putting that out there and it's kind of like tumbleweed and nothing much is happening, it's really easy to get discouraged and to stop. But I think for me, what made the difference was just doing it, just being consistent, putting stuff out there for a couple of reasons. One, you're building up a, you know, a bank and a profile and, you know, it gets the odd like or the odd share or the odd comment. And that does feed into the Facebook kind of machine to begin to get your stuff shown to more people. But also I think just, doing it every single day it's like any other skill you begin to get a little bit better at it you know I mean at the beginning I used to really struggle to think of what to to write about or what people would be interested in and um and I think just the discipline of trying to do it regularly yeah it begins to kind of gets the wheels turning and the juices flowing to mix my metaphors you know and you just begin to you begin to get more skilled at A, writing them yeah. and B, thinking about what might make a good topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I, I, I've i tried to do is to not to, to put a letter, and that sounds like this will sound a bit po-faced and I don't mean it to, but ha- to try and have a learning point in there yeah. or an ed- point of education. It's not just, you know, here's Charlie doing some recall training or this is Benji for puppy, you know, classes. I try to make it about, you know, I might use that image and say, today I had a session with Charlie doing recall training and then put in something maybe that will get people thinking, um, you know, 
and it, I don't know what it could be about. Maybe I might, we might talk about what equipment we're using or distance from distractions or, you know, some learning points. So it's not just a really bland, here's a picture of a cute dog doing some recall training because there's yeah. a million of them out there and people don't engage with that stuff, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the whole, um, when we were chatting earlier um, about the whole meaningful thing, um, because it does have meaning. And even if, like, you know, I'm in Newcastle, you're in Glasgow, but I read your post and I'm like, yeah, that I can make, you know, I can, that I can relate to that, whether it's a dog sleeping on the bed or the recall training or the, um, when I was, I read one that you did a few days ago about the dogs in the park and, you know, having that recall so your dog doesn't run over and upset another dog. And that's obviously a really important message. Um, so it's about kind of creating that meaningful content and, and I guess I, from from hearing what you say, having that, it's a little bit like news sense, isn't it, when you're a journalist, where you think, okay, I know that this thing that is happening right now with this client or with Charlie could be a, a helpful story. It's got meaning behind it. And then translating that into, you know, sitting at your computer or on your phone, writing it down and turning it into a post. So is that, do you kind of, do you, I know I've just kind of assumed that, but I kind of have new sense and as a journalist and I do, will, I will go through the day and things will happen. I'll think, okay, that could work as a social media post. Do you kind of, do you feel like you think like that? Yeah, I think um, quite often the things that I write about are maybe things that come up in conversation with clients yeah. or things that a client will say to me um, and I'll think, okay, actually, you're the third person this week that's mentioned that. Yes. So this is obviously a thing with people or a client will say something that I think is quite perceptive and I'll think, okay, I'll kind of file it away and think that might make an interesting post because I think maybe this is, you know, slightly veering off topic. The person I write for is the dog owner, yeah, client or potential client. It's not other trainers it's not, you know, because I like discussing stuff with other trainers, but they're not who my Facebook posts are particularly aimed at because yeah. they know all this stuff already. You know, so the person that I'm trying to communicate with is definitely the normal dog owner. Yeah. Because what my kind of thing is, the thing I really want to try and do is to help people understand their dogs a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and to maybe their understanding of their dog, why they're doing it, uh, why are their dogs doing the behaviour they're doing, and trying to maybe get them to see things in a slightly different way from the old school traditional obedience-based approach, which is, I think, very limiting and a bit outdated. And that's not my style of training. That's not my kind of floats my boat and what interests me and what I think most dog owners need. So what I'm the message I'm trying to get across is to try and communicate to people to create a bit of empathy and a bit of understanding for their dogs that they're not just robotic little creatures that are put here for their, you know, an amusement. Yeah. Um, to help them maybe think out the box a little bit in terms of, and this stuff won't be new to many trainers, but it is new to lots of, you know, owners. So for example, I haven't published it yet, but I'm working on a post at the moment, which is about, I've had two clients this week say to me, I wish I hadn't spent so much time teaching things like sits and downs. Yeah. Puppyhood. And actually what the dog needed was, you know, the ability to settle, the ability to kind of ignore other stuff around them. Mm -hmm. And it's So sometimes that's where inspiration comes from, isn't it? Just two people, two different people say the same thing and it makes you yeah. think, oh, so if you both think that, there's probably lots of other people that think that as well. Yeah. And that might make a good, interesting post, you know, about what what is important to teach your puppy mm -hmm. and what's maybe less important. Yeah. So. so, yeah, it's about having those eyes and ears going all the time then, isn't it? It is like nuisance, isn't it? And and being relatable and being, and, and also that comes from a place of you wanting, you know, you've mentioned there that your kind of mission is to help people understand the dogs better, help people see things differently, to move away from the old fashioned way of training. But, you know, what you're doing there, it, it is tying back to your mission, isn't it? Because that's what you want to do. And yes, that person might, might become a client. They might not. They might be, 
you know hundreds of miles away like I am um, but it's it's creating valuable content all the time and it's meaningful and that's that's what it's all about isn't it and uh, yeah I just love that because we've got so many different we're constantly being told about all the different things that we need to do and you know we've got pillars and templates and all these different things but actually sometimes just telling stories or sharing your thoughts or something that happened it can be really simple can't it I remember doing a a podcast with an email marketing guy called Kennedy and he does daily emails and he he said when he stuck through his idea for a, a daily email he just thinks about like the most interesting thing that happened the day before and just writes about that and it's about stories isn't it and yeah uh, yeah and actually it can be quite simple can't it like I imagine your social media planning I'm sure you've probably have got things that you use every week or you might have like you know Tuesday tip or whatever but what's your social media planning like is it quite straightforward well I don't do things like kind of regular slots like Tuesday tip or throwbacks or or any of these things um I must admit, maybe I shouldn't admit this. No, go on, do it. On a a podcast talking about social media, um, I don't really plan it, I have to say. Well, no, that's true. I don't really plan it, I have to say. Um, I tend to do a week in advance. So I tend to maybe at the weekend um, or the tail end of the week um, when I've got a little bit more time, uh, maybe look through my kind of photos and videos and things that I've taken from the week before thought about what was I doing in those sessions what might be interesting for people if I've got a really you know great photograph or a nice piece of video what could I make build around that Mm -hmm. Um, and I tend to kind of schedule the bulk of the week ahead so that I tend not to do it on a kind of daily basis so I might do you know take a couple hours do four or five at a time and schedule them but then if things crop up during the week and something suddenly comes to me or I see something that I want to respond to, then I might just do a quick off the cuff one and reschedule yeah. my other stuff. But I don't really have a structured plan in the sense that, you know, I I kind of have certain topics I want to cover on certain days yeah. or certain types. I do try to have a kind of mixture of um formats so um you know I use videos I use you know maybe excerpts from some of my training sessions um I use little bits of video of Charlie sometimes depending on what it is that I'm thinking about um I use still images um I also use posts and stories um which I think help and I also do some posts (laughs) excuse me which are kind of you know maybe just a little slogan or a phrase or a piece of text that I kind of have a little template for that that's got my in my logo and my brand colors with my logo and my brand font and all that stuff so I do have a and I try to kind of mix those up so I suppose I do have a vague a very loose strategy that I want to have a mixture of some videos some images some slogany wordy type things and a mixture of posts and stories so it as long as I've got a selection of them, you know, that's what I aim for, not just all of one thing. Because I think that, again, I'm only going by what I think happens. But I think when you have a mixture of those formats, it helps you in terms of getting your content shown to people by Facebook, mm-hmm. I think. But as I say, I'm not an expert in the Facebook algorithm at all. Yeah. Well, no, I love that actually that you're because one of the things I was going to say is, are you a planner or a winger? And it's you're kind of a you. So you do a week ahead, but it's not like really religiously. I will do this certain thing on a certain day. And like what you said about the you know the things that just happen in the moment. Sometimes you just do have to share things that happen in the moment, don't you? And that's yeah. Uh, and sometimes you know it's it's funny. I've, I find it really really hard to predict what posts will fly and which ones kind of are just maybe more get normal kind of traction because sometimes I think there's some posts that you just start typing I mean maybe it's the same I'm sure it's the same probably as a journalist you know that sometimes you just get an idea and it just flows (laughs) straight from your head onto the page and it's you do very little editing and you just press the button and it goes and other things you know you have to mull over and think about and redraft and um and sometimes those off the cuff ones just 
go. You know, I've had posts, a couple that I've maybe done late at night. It's obviously stuff that's been in my head and I just go on and do something really quick and schedule it for the next morning and it just, you know, it it goes really well. So I think sometimes there's there must there's probably an argument for not tinkering too much sometimes. And if you've got a, a good idea that just flows, just post it and yeah. see what happens. Definitely. Yeah, there's a there is a post there is a post it there is a uh, podcast called Just Bloody Post It with this lovely lady called Helen Perry. I love her stuff. And she's yeah, the the clues in the name, isn't it? Just post it and stop overthinking things. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on the whole um the whole writing thing. When something's in your head and you just want to share it there and then, I have like my, my social media is nothing does not compare anywhere near like the kind of traction that you get. But I do find the ones that where you literally just go, Oh, I've just had this call and blah blah blah. Um, and just bash it out and get it out there they they do really well and also sometimes when I once did this post on LinkedIn about <laughs> I know that you know me Aileen as we're chatting obviously we're on a podcast so you're only hearing the audio and um, but you know me and Aileen we've known each other for a few years now but so I'm like 46 and I did this post once on LinkedIn right about putting crisps in a sandwich <laughs> and like not a lot of 46 year olds post on LinkedIn about putting crisps in a sandwich but that went it was crazy like it was so bizarre but I was on the train and I thought can I put my crisps in my sandwich and I put this daft post on LinkedIn and yeah sometimes you just um yeah just and that's the other thing the other good thing about just what's in your head and putting that out there you know it's only your thoughts nobody else can replicate your thoughts can they like yeah I think that's I think that's really really important for social media and it's something that I've I think that that that's been a big learning point for me over the years is a couple so there's two things there you mentioned earlier things like templates you know and there are a lot of people out there who will do you know you can kind of buy templated posts with different topics and things you know and, and I'm not I've never bought any of them I'm not a huge fan of them I have to say because I've yeah. well, I've seen the, I've seen what happens sometimes where people think other people have copied them and actually it's just that they've both bought the same pack of templates and they've not yeah changed an awful lot about them and I th- I also you know I've, he- I've heard other colleagues talking about hiring like virtual assistants and people to do their social media for them but for me I think what I think what makes and this is only my opinion and it is you know I think what makes good social media is when you know that that's that person talking yeah you can tell their tone their voice and it's and and sometimes and these off the cuff things like you with your, your your crisp sandwich, which is awesome by the way. Although it has to be cheese and onion crisps, that's <laughs> the best crisp sandwich. But I think that's what people respond to that because it's you. It's it's they're learning about you. You know, you've got to be seen in your social media. I think you yeah. know. I think it's one thing. I think a lot of. I mean, obviously, it's predominantly dog trainers that I kind of see on my Facebook feed. But I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't do is you look at their page and I have no clue who they are. Yeah. Don't know who they are. Don't know if it's a man or a woman or, you know, anything about them. And it could be that actually I do know that person through some other route, but because they're totally invisible on their page, there's no pictures of them. There's no video of them. We don't know anything about their life. I mean, I, I sometimes do just daft little things maybe with me and Charlie or you know a little bit about our walk yeah and there's there's maybe I mean I like to still put in a learning point so for example like you've probably seen these posts but it's every so often I'll do a post of you know talking about how Charlie's idea of a walk is not really to walk it's to stand in one place and dig a hole for yeah 20 minutes you know or snuffle about hunting for a mouse for 20 minutes in the undergrowth and I'll do a little post on that. Maybe Charlie and I standing in a field, you know, while he's digging a hole. And but people, I think they like that. So that yes, there's a learning point in there about letting your dog do what they want to do yeah. and sniff and all that stuff. But they also get to see me and my dog, and and it's I I I am not a kind of put yourself out there person. That doesn't come naturally to me. I'm not an extroverted person or a person who wants to be the centre of attention. I find that very, you know, challenging in group situations. I don't really want to be the person that everybody's looking at. But I think if you're putting your business out there, you've got to show people who you are yeah. and things like, you know, what, you know, can I put crisps in my sandwich? It lets people see you, a bit of your personality, a bit of your humour. 
And then when they see your stuff, they kind of have a picture in their head already of who you are. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with you. And I feel like, I know we talked about this before I hit record, but um, when we both, you know, I was talking about when I first started doing social media um, and like beforehand, I'd always written about other people. So if I wrote, if I put something on social media, it was, you know, I've just interviewed you know, Sarah about her, you know, her amazing holiday or whatever, whatever I'd interviewed someone about. And then it was about putting me there. And I felt really, really nervous. I've talked about this quite a lot, but I did worry that people would, you know, people who used to know me, who I worked with years ago would laugh or say, what are you on about? You don't know anything or, or that these all, all these hideous things would happen. And at first I would feel really uncomfortable putting a photo of me up or sharing an opinion. But in time, you you build that up, don't you? Um, so, yeah, so I know, know you've obviously done that because you talked about going from being an accountant to doing what you do now. And you're really visible and you're really, um, you know, you put a lot of you out there, which is great. So what would your advice be to somebody who is feeling a little bit self-conscious and about maybe taking those first few first few tentative steps what would you say to them so I think the first the first thing I would say is just do it (laughs) just body post it (laughs) um don't overthink it too much um so I've got a there's a um photographer she she's based in Glasgow and she does um business photography um brand photography and she's great she's done a few images um for me um and I always remember her saying because I was saying I hate getting my photograph taken and oh and she's like just do it nobody is bothered you know I mean she's a great photographer and she makes you look okay so that helps but she said people want to see you and they are more interested in seeing you and what you've got to say than going oh my god you know like she looks a bit rough or (laughs) what she you know and I think I think what I so just post it would be the first thing what I find easier I do a reasonable number of kind of video where I'm talking to the camera I never do them sitting at my desk I never write it out um, I don't kind of it. There, I almost always do them when I'm out with Charlie. Yeah. So I'm just out for a walk, and he's just doing his thing, kind of snooted in about behind me, and that's often when things come into my head. It's just when I'm out walking, and I'm just kind of relaxing and decompressing from the day, and something will maybe bubble up to the surface that I think makes a good learning point or something I want to talk about, and I will just get my phone out film it as I'm walking along, hold my phone up, you know, and talk yeah. to my phone and film it. Um, and I try not to ever kind of, or sometimes you fluff it and I'll go back and do it yeah. again, but basically they're off the cuff. They're not planned. They're not written. And I think that makes them more natural. Yeah. And they don't have to be long and it can be something really simple. I think the very first one I ever did was... And it was a little bit of a rant because I was a bit angry, a bit angry, but it was that old chestnut of don't let your dog run up to other dogs, yeah. which every dog trainer knows inside out. You know, we've all been there. It's something you so pick, pick something you can talk about yeah. easily. It doesn't need to be, you know, um, anything hugely complex, especially yeah. if you're just easing into it. So I would say don't overthink it do it but don't overthink it do it in a natural way you don't need to be don't make it all stiff you know with your tripod set up and you know your sort of script in front of you and your makeup all on and or if you wear makeup and you know just just pick up your phone and walk along and talk to it the way you might talk to somebody that's beside you that's that's what I did at the start anyway and what I still do now I just kind of an ideal pop into my head and I'll just pick up my phone and video it yeah I lo- no I love that but the other thing that you said earlier which I think is also really important is to remember that you are not talking to other dog trainers or in my case other journalists you are yes. talking to people who don't who, who need to know about how to train the dog or who in my case who need to you know feel a bit more comfortable Marketing absolutely I think that I think that's so important it's not I am not when I'm t- posting on my page and when I'm videos or blogs or anything like that they're not aimed at other 
professionals if they like them then that's fantastic if they see value in them then that's always lovely because it's nice to get feedback from your your peers and your colleagues and that's great but that's not who I'm writing for or who I'm talking to I'm talking to the people who might be my clients and who either are my clients or who might be my clients at some point in the future or who are people who are like those people so normal dog owners and I think sometimes dog trainers forget what it's like to be a normal dog owner yeah. who doesn't have a lot of this knowledge. So I was I was out with a client yesterday and we were talking about the importance of letting her dog sniff. And we were just talking about, you know, a dog's sense of smell and what they can perceive and the information they get from it and why it's so important. And she, I mean, she knew that dogs like to sniff, but she didn't know anything about all the kind of the wider picture and how just how important it is for a dog and I think it's, it's things like that you know we sometimes there's things you just take for granted you think well everybody knows that and you might feel a bit you might feel well, that's very basic to put that in a post and it might be basic if you're talking to another dog trainer but that's not who you should be posting for you should be posting for to to help the, the people who are your audience to let you know to, to make them think you're a you might be a good person to work with because it's marketing yeah. and it's to promote your business, obviously, but also to put good content out there. There's so much horrible content out there. And I know that it's a big topic of discussion amongst lots of dog trainers at the moment about, you know, the amount of coverage yeah. and reach that other styles of training are getting at the moment. But rather than getting all hung up on that, we should be putting our stuff out there in a way that's accessible to people and not thinking this is too basic because I think we sometimes underestimate how little some dog owners know and that's not I don't mean that in a critical way it's just you know you don't know what you don't know and so yeah don't don't it doesn't have to be super geeky or super complex in fact it probably shouldn't be yeah. you want it to be something that people can digest while they're scrolling through Facebook yeah. and even in front of the television with a glass of wine you know you don't want they don't want lectured <laughs> and they don't want to be bamboozled definitely um that whole thing about <laughs> about the um keeping it simple and not assuming what people know so I think I've probably told you this before but when I got when I we got patched and we had a lovely trainer over here called Sue McCabe came and helped us with him we had some one-to-one -one, it was really good anyway she said to me when you come on the first session bring some high value treats right so I went into Newcastle to this pet shop and I honestly I can't believe I'm telling you this because you just think I'm a total idiot but I was just like right well, what is the most expensive bag of treats I, honestly I did this it wasn't even that long ago it's only like four years ago and then I rocked up with these buffalo things and Sue was like I meant like cheese or chicken but it wasn't like she'd done anything wrong I just did not know and yeah. I been, you know I had a pet blog at the time I've been right you know kind of knew a fair bit but I'm just not worked with a dog trainer that was my first thing I was going to say but the other thing which I have shared before is when I had my old dog Daisy, we went to see a trainer who I now know was aversive. And it was, you know, back in 2009, um, where, you know, you found people from the phone book. It just wasn't like it is now with Facebook mm -hmm. and everything. Um, and I remember going and seeing him and having this experience, which just was horrible. And I just thought, I don't, if that's what dog training is, I don't, I'd rather just keep my dog on a lead and let mm -hmm. her, have, you know, let her run around if her recall was a problem. Um, but she was a lovely dog. She just wouldn't come back. So I thought, well, if that's what the dog training's like, I'm just going to keep her lead and keep her safe. Um, and then obviously when I got patched, I learned all about what it really was like. And I'm, you know, now surrounded by force-free dog trainers and I know a lot more. Um, but that I um, feel really strongly about you guys, people like yourself, all the other, you know, professional, really ethical trainers who are out there. Please don't hide away when there are other people out there putting out some really really alarming stuff around um i'm not going to go into it in loads of detail but around you know you know yeah. prong collars shock collars that kind of thing you have to try like if if you are feeling awkward putting yourself out there just think that little video or that little post might just do a tiny little thing to drown out that that other stuff and that is one way of thinking about right i'm going to push forward i'm going to do this because i have a you know i've got a responsibility here that pet parents can find me and know that they don't have to use force on the dog or, or a prong collar or, you know, like in my case, you know, not let her on the sofa or 
who was yeah. you know, the trainer said to basically you know if if she's running away and she was on a collar as well she didn't have a harness she wouldn't walk in a harness but he did this training session where he said if you if you re if she's running away and you recall her and she doesn't stop you stand on the training lead and it's a yank in her back and I was like no I'm just just no way I'm going to do that anyway I've gone off on one there but I feel really strongly about this and I know you do too yeah and I think that's so I, th I think that's a that's an important point as well because one thing that I've heard a number of owners say is first thing they'll say is if you talk to them maybe about in in the course of discussions you talk to them about um different methods of training and making sure you know they'll say but are you still people don't do that still do they <laughs> no they do yeah. so people aren't you know some owners aren't aware that that still goes on and just and and other owners when you actually the i've had owners come to me and say and a number of owners who've maybe had been in a similar position to you they've been to somebody taken them at face value um thought you know they've got good recommendations you know they've got a space i'll go to them and have then been asked to do things that made them very uncomfortable to their dogs and have subsequently looked for a different way yeah um but the reason they went to that first first person that that the original person in the first place was because they didn't realize that there are different ways to train dogs and there are different flavors and it's not um you know and things have moved on and it might you know so if we are quiet and don't kind of promote ourselves who is you know if you don't promote yourself and i don't mean that in a really egotistical kind of i'm brilliant come to me way because that's totally not you know um, that wouldn't be my bag I don't, yeah. I don't like that but if we don't at least try to get information out there to people that there is a different way to train that you can um, train kindly and show our work and make ourselves visible then we can't really complain if people don't come to us if we're not out there being visible and I think it's also really important I I will say in my post that I don't use fear now so I put up a post yesterday of a fantastic German Shepherd that I've been working with. He's an absolute dream. And um, he's gone from quite anxious to, you know, much more relaxed. And, and it's, it's, it's been a joy to work with. And in that post, I did say this has been done with no fear, no force, no coercion, no punishment. But what I so I'm happy to say what I do and that I don't use these things. I don't like to go on and bash. Yeah you know, and be negative, I might say, so I did a post a few weeks ago about slip leads, just saying that I think they had no place in training and why they work and what the alternatives are and that kind of thing, which was a little bit unusual for me because I don't tend to do the, I don't like the, these yeah. posts. I tend to do, you know, this is how we've achieved this post. And I think there's a slight, you know, people are very clear about my style of training, but I don't think you basing your media content around the things you don't like mm -hmm. and simply slagging off other people is very I think it's a bit off-putting for yeah. the public probably I don't and I, I just it's just I don't I don't like that I don't think it's it's I don't think it creates the right impression if all you're doing is kind of slagging off other people whether you agree with them or not yeah yeah I'm on the same page with you there about kind of and even with, I know we've talked about this before, haven't we, on calls, but with TV shows, like you might see something on a TV show and you might want to go absolutely bananas about what, what's just happened. But actually, you know, I think if you've watched that TV show, you would put a, you'd put a take on it where it would be, you know, you're educating and you're talking about how you would have perhaps worked in that situation um, rather than bashing other people. Because I think, like you say, it just doesn't create a great impression, does it? And you know you're doing great you know there'll be stuff that that you're that you're making happen in your business that can really help you shine and being dragged down with being negative about other people is just you know that's taking that away from you isn't it mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you i know we talked touched on this before i hit record as well a little bit but you've got these posts they really connect with people really meaningful you don't have like really strong you're not like selly um and we talked about it before didn't we about you know you don't have to be Sally, do you, to 
to make people ring you up and say, I want to work with you. Yeah, you don't. I, I'm not comfortable with that kind of, um, and I know it works really well for some people, um, but I'm, I find some of the Sally posts, you know, I just, ugh. yeah, you can tell by the way I'm responding to this <laughs> question. <laughs> It just makes me my insides kind of oh, flip over a wee bit. I think so. I think that's the other point about having a kind of an authentic voice, if you want to call it that, and being yourself and showing yourself and promoting. It's if you do that, I think, and you do it well, it almost does a lot of the selling for you. Yeah. So I would say, um, I was talking to a friend recently about this about you know I very rarely now. I would say get inquiries from people who aren't my client, if that makes sense. I very rarely get inquiries from people who are looking for a quick fix, a cheap fix, um, who, yeah, I, the, the people that I tend to attract are the people who are understand it's, you know, it takes effort and it takes a bit of time and a bit of consistency and, um, they're committed to the process they understand you know it's not a you know everything's going to be fixed in an hour type of thing and I think you get them because when they read my content I think it's clear the kind of trainer I am the kind of person I am now some people might watch my stuff and go oh my god I really don't like the look of her and that's fine because you know they can move on and find somebody that's right for them um, but other people will look at it and say, oh, actually, that really rings a bell. And I've got loads of clients now or have had loads of clients, especially over, I would say, the last year or so, where they've said, oh, I've been watching your stuff for a while. And when they come on the phone, it's almost as if they know me. Yeah. A little bit, you know, and because I do make myself relatively visible in my social media stuff so they know what I look like mm -hmm. very rare when I turn up at the park and I'm meeting somebody for the first time that they don't know who I am yeah you know they they, they can spot me because they've seen my social media there's pictures of me there I do the videos you know sometimes they'll ask me about Charlie because he features yeah. you know on and off throughout it as well so I think as well as you know having that consist constant uh, a, a consistent message consistent visibility showing who you are it filters out the people that aren't for you mm -hmm. and that you're not for them yeah and it leaves you with an audience of people that are more that are kind of on your page yeah um so you know i, th I think it, it it helps us attract the right people people are ready to hear our message as well you know, there's no point somebody phoning me up who's really still wanting to do the whole dominance, you know, robotic obedience thing because I'm not the right trainer for them. Yeah. Um, so being consistent, getting our message out there in a positive way, upbeat yeah. way, it just helps us reach the people that are ready to, you know, work in the way that we want to work. This is so encouraging, actually, because I'm, I'm kind of listening to you and you're obviously talking about what you do. And I'm thinking, actually, do I do this? And then I think, actually, no, I do. I feel like I do. I think the that having the podcast has been really good. Like I don't do I think my podcast is my main kind of media media publishing, however you want to see it. Marks my biggest marketing activity. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you were saying about people feel like they know you when they when you get on the phone or when you see them and that that does work and the other thing I would say as well and I'm with you on the same wanting to attract these kind of people is the ones who understand it takes effort time and consistency which I've just written down and underlined um to do you know to get where you want to be whether it's training a dog or you know feeling more confident confident um promoting your business it, these things do take time don't they totally Sorry, I was just going to say as well, before I forget to ask you and keep waffling on, um, how much time does it take you to do your marketing every week, would you say? And now I know it's going to be a little bit hard because you're videoing and then you might be inspired, And but actually sitting down and doing the whole, right, I'm going to do my stuff for the week. How long do you think that would actually, take? Actually sitting down and writing it, it can be very variable. Um, I would say 
if I'm doing, say I'm doing seven posts, let's just say a post every day, um, once every day, um, I would say probably two or three hours. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's loads. I don't know if that's not a lot. I've no idea. No, I've no benchmark to compare it to. But I would say probably over the course of the week, that's probably what I would spend kind of just writing and editing and, and posting it. Yeah. The, the videos I take during sessions. So if I see something interesting or something that, you know, nicely demonstrates a, a concept or a an idea, then I'll just quickly film while I'm while I'm working and um, you know I'll, clients that always you know always ask first um, and they're generally always happy with that um, and you know the same with taking a picture I normally take a picture of a dog at the end of a session you know again hopefully in a way that uh, makes them look good you know makes is a nice example of their breed doesn't it maybe a nice picture for their owner to steal off Facebook and you know um so yeah so I do all those things in the in the course of the sessions but actually writing it probably probably two or three hours I would say yeah. um during the week and sometimes something will just pop into my head and I'll do something just off the cuff there and then and that's like probably like five minutes but yeah. I haven't actually I must I must track it I've never actually tracked it um yeah. how long it takes but um yes yeah, I think it does help to kind of schedule a few, certainly for the week ahead, rather than trying to do it every single day. Yeah. Because that can become a bit of a, you know, a bind. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, um, I guess, because we get so much information and there's so much advice out there about how we should be doing things, just hearing how, how, how I love hearing how other people do things, really. It's really interesting. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a really interesting way to see how people do things and and all of the everything that goes on behind behind it all really. So it's been such such a brilliant chat with you, Aileen. Honestly, I've really, really I knew I'd really enjoy it, but I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Oh. <laughs> people listening will get a lot of value from it. And I feel like I feel like the biggest takeaway for me is that it is a little bit about throwing the rule book out of the window and you just doing doing things your way and I think, yeah. I think you've got I think you've got I think you've got to to find your personality yeah. find your voice you know whether it's the way you write I think and, and that comes with practice I think you know and I say that's why I'm not a huge fan of things like templates and things like that because that's not you know that's not you writing. That's not your words. I mean, I think if I think I, I hope that if people follow me for a say, uh, you know, any length of time, they begin to uh, recognise my style and my, you know, the the way I write. And you know, I think it's got to be about you. It's got to be personalised. It's not something because there's that old phrase, you know, people buy from people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, it, especially with something like dog training, people are coming to you oftentimes in a slightly vulnerable position. They're struggling with something. They don't know what they're doing. They're out of their depth. Um, if they weren't, they probably wouldn't be coming to you. Um, so they want to know, I think, that they're in safe hands. People are often quite apprehensive. People often say at the first session, oh, I'm a wee bit nervous, you know, because they're out of their comfort zone. And I think... It helps them if they have a picture in their head before they start of who they're working with. Am I going to like this person? Because you are in a vulnerable position. It's not like, you know, you're getting a plumber or a, you know, I don't know, gardener or something. You're getting somebody who's talking to you about relationships and emotions and people are often feeling vulnerable and a bit maybe that they failed in some way. And I think it's it makes life so much easier for them to make that leap to call somebody or to turn up for the first session if they have a feel for the kind of person they're working with. And I think that's why you've got to do your own stuff. I think I would say you've got really got to make yourself visible. You've got to create your own content that says what you're about and not just share other people's. You know, shares are lovely. And when people yeah. share your stuff, it's really nice. But you can't just rely if, if people are thinking about how do I build my own business, you can't build your own business sharing other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's another reason I never very, very, very rarely use things like stock images. Mm -hmm. Um because you can tell 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I used one stock image recently because I did a post on extend uh, flexi leads mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have a picture of a dog in a flexi lead because I don't, you know, use them in training. So I had to use a stock image for that. But all the images I use are either my dog or their client's dogs or their pictures I've taken out on walks or at the park where I work or because I want to create that real yeah. thing, <laughs> you know, because I think that's what people respond to. I think people can spot templates and kind of, you know, prepackaged stuff off, or, you know, they can spot that a mile away, I think. Yeah. And it doesn't make you any different from every other dog trainer who's also kind of using the same format or the same yeah. template, you know. Yeah, it's that connection, isn't it? And I think, I think with, you know, the, with prompts, I, I know you know this anyway because we've, we've worked together, but like I do do planning sessions with, with my clients because I think sometimes you've got that blank page and or you just want, you might, you might just want to come along and get inspired. And I will give, you know, give prompts like, you know, we're, we're chatting in October, November, it's bonfire night, this is something that you can be talking about. Um, and I think a prompt is one thing because everyone's going to have a different interpretation or story around it. Christmas, for example, you know, I might have a Christmas story that's completely different to yours and vice versa. And, you know, or like I might have a funny story about Daisy nicking someone's Christmas dinner and I might share that story um, because that's yours, isn't it? So you've mm -hmm. got the prompt and then you kind of make it your own, like they say on the X Factor. Um, and yeah, I think, there's, I think there is value in... Um, and being inspired, but you have to put your own stamp on it, make it your own. Definitely. I think, yeah, there's a huge difference between being inspired by somebody or by something you've read and taking that away and kind of maybe, you know, letting it percolate and mulling over it and seeing what you think about that and kind of, putting your own spin on it and because none of us are doing anything you know brand new most of us you know we're all doing variations on a theme so it's but I think there's a big difference between taking inspiration from somebody and taking their post and either just copying it cut you know copy paste and they don't change anything and it's not credited or taking the post and tweaking it just a little bit and unfortunately there are that happens mm -hmm. it happened to me the other week I did a post that got quite a wee bit of traction and I saw it basically well twice in very lightly you know change the odd word here yeah. um, and it's not I mean I get it's hard to come up with content um, you know or, when you are trying to post every day, it's hard to think of things that are interesting. And, you know, it takes a bit of effort to come up with topics that you think people are going to be interested in that um, are varied and pitching them in a way that is, is going to be interesting to people. So when you've done that and it's taken a lot of effort and time and then you see that content, in all, you know, somewhere else, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit... Um, you know, on the one hand, I suppose we should be grateful that good information is getting out there. And that's the, that's the, the view I try to take. <laughs> um, it's just, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad they liked it. And it's good information. And the more dog owners that see it, the better. But yeah, I think it's, there's a, there's a fine line, isn't there, between t inspiration and putting your own spin on things and just kind of copying either other people's work or copying direct from a template because neither one of them is you. Yeah. And I think it shows over time. Yeah. No consistency of, voice so I think you end up just it might be easier in the moment but over time I don't think it really does you any favours because you aren't creating that voice yeah and I think um I'm, I'm totally with you and I'm sorry that you've been copied and I know that my, that must be frustrating and I think it's a really lovely perspective that you've got on it because it, yes it's frustrating but also very generous that you that you you know you the that you've seen it, that the good messaging is getting out there and it is frustrating. I've spoken to, I did a podcast a while back with a lady whose products were copied and she had a really terrible time with that and copying is frustrating. It really is. Um, but like you say, you know, 
it's it's good that you're not getting bogged down by the fact that people have copied you and you're just being generous and letting it drift away because you're always going to be you're always going to have these great original ideas and be able to express yourself really well the other thing I would the other thing I really feel and I've just been writing about this actually because again credit where credit's due Helen Perry who we've already mentioned here and I will link to her episode in the show notes because a lot of what we've talked about here is she talks about in mm-hmm. um in the work she does but she posted about um how much time we spend on social media how much time we spend on marketing and I've done um I've put it in my newsletter and I've said I was really you know looking at Helen Perry's Instagram she was talking about how much time she, she you know we spend on marketing it really got me thinking this is how much time I spend on blah 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 um you know how much time do you spend um, and I think as long as we credit and then we put our own angle on it, that's good. Yeah. But the other thing is, these things take time. There is no quick fix. Like this podcast, we're gonna we've spent an hour. I will wrap things up because I'm conscious of time. <laughs> but we, Aileen's given me an hour of her day. I'm really chuffed. I'm going to spend. I'll spend half a day edit. Have it edited, but I'll spend half a day writing a blog post, writing social media posts, promote it, writing my newsletter. Probably more than that. Um, and that I know that that's important because I want to put good content out there. And I, yeah, I just love the fact that you've talked about this. But you know, things do take time, don't they? There isn't any quick way around this stuff. No, it does take time. But I think it's it's a it's a central part of the business. It's yeah. how you get business. So it's I think sometimes. I mean, maybe maybe I'm generalising here. I don't know, but I think sometimes trainers are guilty maybe of thinking that. Um, you know, these other things are like little bolt-ons around the training. Yeah. But actually, they're essential to the business as the training itself. You know, you've got to set aside adequate time for good admin, yeah. you know, and, and um, you know, creating good content, writing blogs, whatever it is you do, vid- vlogs, videos, you know, whatever you do, because it comes back to that thing, I think I kind of said at the start, is that if people don't know, you know, if you don't promote yourself, nobody else is going to do it. And how can people come to you if they don't know you're, you know, that you're there, that you exist? Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's, and it, it's taken me t- time to learn this. It's, and it's, see, I'm, I'm, I don't kind of set myself up as a social media expert at all, because it's just that I've just, what I've found works for me over the years, but it definitely... I definitely see it as a central part of the business after actually going out and seeing people and working yeah. with them and working with them and their dogs and, and looking after them. That's probably the next biggest thing for me is kind of maintaining a, you know, doing hopefully good content for people, you know, social media blogs, um, just because otherwise, how do you get, how do people know about you? How do they know they want to work with you? Yeah. Because I don't want people that just kind of, you know, you were saying about the old phone book, you just pick somebody out the phone book and it's like, oh, well, they'll do. I want people to come to me thinking, actually, you are the right person for me. Yeah. Ideally, you know, that's yeah. what we're, we're aiming for. Because then they've kind of made a lot of the decision decisions before they even come on the phone a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, because they know you. Yeah. And we, I feel like, I feel like we're in this brilliant position, actually, because we can, we're all publishers now, aren't we? We've all got websites, social media, podcasts, all these different things we can do. Like you can do printed stuff, you can do whatever you want, can't you? We're in this brilliant position where we can do all of these things. And it's a gift, isn't it? And it, it is a way of attracting the right people to you and sending the ones who you're not going to be for packing. And I feel really fortunate that that we've got this. Um, so, yeah, so... You've just shared so much brilliant stuff in this episode. I'm really conscious. I don't want to take up your entire afternoon. I could talk to you all day. Um, but yeah, I'm going to wrap things up now, Aileen. Do you want to share with me like the best place for people to come and find out more about you um, like on social media, your website, that kind of thing? Um, so uh, I'm active on Facebook, also on Instagram, but... Um... Uh, Facebook's where I'm most active, active, um, and you'll find me on Facebook as the Perfect Puppy Company. Um, and I also have a website which um, has my blog on it and uh, just gives information about my services. And you can find that at theperfectpuppycompany.co.uk. Brilliant. Okay, and I will put all the links to Aileen's website and social media in the show notes anyway. But I, it's just really good for you to. Um, say them in case anyone's driving around or whatever they're doing while they're listening to you and your um, words of wisdom so what's next for you then Aileen um I don't well 
<laughs> I was going to say I don't know, but um, <laughs> I've got a friend who will um, give me a kick up the butt if I say that because we're trying to keep each other accountable. He's doing some stuff in his business and um, I'm going to do some stuff in mine. So I have, I'm scoping out another book. Um, okay. I've got kind of I ideas for possibly another book um which are kind of have been floating about in my head for the last year or so and I haven't actually done anything about it so um that's if it if if work quiets down a little bit over the winter um then that is my next task is to uh, try and maybe get another book out there yeah and are you able to tell us what it's about or is it secret squirrel <laughs> um, I'm st- <laughs> still, mal- I think it's going to be puppy related. Okay, um, but not a traditional how to train your puppy book. Yeah, I'm still okay. kind of feeling. I've, I've got a few different ideas about what it what it might be, but um, there's loads and loads of good puppy training books out there. So it's not going to be your how to teach your puppy to sit and lie down and all that stuff. But um, it might be looking at it from my the thing that I like to do, which is understanding your dog and that they are a dog and allowing them to be a dog while also training them that's the kind of that's what's floating about in there at the moment but hopefully hopefully maybe in 2022 uh, there'll be a uh, 2023 god there'll be another book excellent okay well thank you that is a brilliant uh, thing to end on it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show thanks so much and i look forward to seeing your awesome social media post very soon <laughs> no pressure eh? no it's no <laughs> pleasure <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.